Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Great American Senior Show. I'm your gray-haired host, Sam Yates. Fred Schaefer, a licensed engineer from Florida, is back with us as we continue our conversation about the tragic collapse of a condominium outside of Miami, Florida. Fred, you actually were involved in the construction industry during the 1980s, during the time frame when this particular condominium was built. And one of the most frustrating things that you have relayed to me was that sometimes engineers made recommendations on repairs that were never done. The thing that bothered me the most is that uh, the repairs didn't seem to be all that effective because they were only good for you know, three to five years, two right. to three years. You know, you, you had to go back in and keep repairing the same repairs. And um, the expense involved was that people were not, um, the boards were not keeping up with it the repairs you know they were they were letting things slide and uh you know so if you if you needed a, a dollar's worth of repair this year next year you need two dollars the next year you need four dollars it doesn't it's not linear and they keep putting them off and putting them off and you couldn't seem to convince these boards that they were um dealing with a, a issue as serious as it is and um yeah, and this is the kind of thing that we've seen time and again um, where we finally get the, the board to move on a repair. And when you get in there and start the actual repair, you find out it was on the verge of collapse. You know, we got there just in time. And you know, that's the kind of thing that's happened to me time and again. And, uh, you know, it's, they, you know, they don't, don't understand and not expected to understand the engineering, but you know I would hope that they would rely on the professionals that they hire, and will give them good advice um, to do it. And there is a it's a relatively small community of engineers that do this kind of work, and these the people who do it are because of that get to be very experienced. Fred, what do you have to say to the condominium? homeowners associations and those who may simply just own within that association you just you know the, the, if anybody that's listening you know is on a board or talks to their board they're in a oceanfront condo of any kind whether it's steel concrete or you know whatever it's made of you know i urge them to you know, you know they'll have to get the, the inspections done anyway by by mandated by law is listen to your engineers. <laughs> they they aren't they aren't out there trying to sell you something. You know they get they you know we don't get paid by the by the pound of material they put on. You know it's yeah. we get we get paid to, to look at it, do a job, and and um, provide uh, our best uh, estimate and, and judgment. Fred, you're you're a very modest person, as I have found out by. Uh, being associated with you and knowing you for many, many years, as you said, dating back to the, gosh, to the early uh, 1980s, I suppose. But you still are active. Is this something that, as the the news gets out of how significant this is, that you get someone who is qualified to take a look and and uh, give some recommendations? Is this something that you're still actively doing? No, I uh, I stopped doing 
this kind of, that kind of work about 10 or so years ago. It just, the physical demand of that kind of work is just uh, not, um, not what I'm uh, able to do anymore or, or interested in doing. And, uh, I don't, you know, hanging off the side of a 20 story building doesn't excite me anymore. But, uh, you know, I, I'm active still in design. I, I, I work on uh, primarily high end single family residential design, but I do have some commercial projects as well. And I, I'm semi keep trying, trying to retire, but it just isn't so far as it working. Uh, you have people like me that hunt you down and say, Fred, give me some comments. The next thing you know, you're busy working. So I understand that hard to retire part. Well, I, I would hope that I could provide some help yes. to the, uh, to the population in general and to, you know, building officials and whoever might be listening that, you know, this is what my 36 years of experience working in Florida has taught me not to not counting the years before that in Ohio, but, um, what, what this is, what I've learned and help hopefully pass that knowledge along that somebody could find something useful and prevent any kind of future uh, incident like this. I want to take a step back and, and I, and it's going to lead into my question about how our governmental leaders should be reacting and what they can do. Just as you mentioned, hopefully they will listen at one point you and, and I was assisting on it. I'd like to, to say that I was part of the team there was a process that you developed that could stop spalling and halt a lot of the concrete deterioration. Without going into all the, the, the details, or we'll be here for days, uh, but give, give an overview of that, of what you had developed. Okay, well, the as I alluded to earlier, that you know, doing the repairs and everything raised a lot of questions and the fact that you had to keep re-repairing areas um, or you would uh, fix the edge of a balcony a stretch about four or five feet long and then uh, three years later you're back repairing the next four or five feet right next to it that that bothered me you know that why why do we have to keep doing this what's what are we not doing to make this permanent and so then I really started researching um, concrete and uh, how it performs and what are the uh, hazards and, and, and causes of deterioration. I uh, researched in several ways, you know, looking at, at it chemically, looking at it historically, how, you know, how were concrete buildings work, but, you know, built. And why is it that I inspect this building and it's got all kinds of spalling and cracks. It's been repaired every three years for the last 10 years or 20 years. And yet the building next door has never had a bit of repair at all. But why is that? You know, what, what's going on? So I you know, went back down to the basic levels and, you know, dug out my first year chemistry a textbook or, you know, effectively, you know, online, start researching, okay, what actually causes steel to corrode? The, the conventional wisdom was, well, it was water, you know, the water and salt air get, getting in the water is causing the steel to corrode. 
yet when you look at how concrete is and works, concrete relies on water to work, even after it's dried. There is water present in concrete at all times. It's called water of hydration. And that, that's what the crystalline structure of concrete relies on to keep from getting brittle. So if you have, for example, a, a column on the interstate bridge, a concrete column, which is roughly three to four feet in diameter. If you could put a probe down right into the middle of that uh, concrete structure, you'd find about a relative humidity of 80%. Now, I don't care if that column's in Southeast Florida or Phoenix, Arizona. You, that water will still be there. So I'm gonna say, if there's water in the concrete all the time, how can water be the problem? Again, looking at the various actual going back to the basic concrete reactions it turns out that if you took a piece of steel and dropped it into a bucket of water it'll corrode you pour a couple of cups of drano in there it'll never corrode it has to do with the acidity or alkalinity of the environment whether it's liquid or um or uh, gaseous you know air and concrete, freshly mixed concrete, at least 4,000 pounds per square inch strength, has a relative humidity, or I'm sorry, a relative acidity, what I call a pH, of uh, around 10, 10 and a half. Um, turns out, when you look at the basic uh, chemical equation, steel cannot bond to the oxygen to form rust in an environment. Uh, with a pH less than nine. So if the environment is alkaline or less than acidic, rust can't form. It just doesn't. And when you look at the condo that didn't corrode, it turned out they had a much higher strength concrete and the cement in the concrete mix is what results in the alkalinity of the concrete. The more cement you put in the mix, and again, go back to basic. Concrete is cement, Portland cement, sand, uh, various size rocks, and water. As long as you have a high, relatively high-strength concrete with a lot of cement in it, it will maintain that alkaline environment, and the steel just can't rust. It doesn't matter whether it's on the surface or 40 feet underwater. In fact, Concrete that's underwater, even if it's not that alkaline, won't rust. The, the steel won't rust beyond two feet below the surface. So, so now the the repair methods that have been recommended and are still the standard just call for chipping off the loose stuff and you paint some stuff on the steel and put a patch on it. You're not dealing with the issue of the loss of alkalinity in the adjacent concrete. What we were doing was we working with some uh, chemists and chemical company and some other folks, we developed a formulation of materials that would coat the steel with, you know, put a coating on the steel that would prevent, you know, the uh, oxygen from getting to it, even in a, a acidic environment, the uh, 
other components in there would actually build their own crystalline structure within the crystalline structure of concrete. So we could improve all the physical properties of the concrete. We can make it com more compressible. We can make improve the shear. Without making it brittle, we actually allowed it to be slightly more uh, bendable or ductile, which helps it relieve stresses. So we were able to improve all the properties on, on the concrete. Somewhere in that equation, I know the, the frustration that we all felt was uh, it was a lot more lucrative for companies to have to come back and do repair and have legislation that ask them to come back and do repair than having a one-time fix in a multi-billion dollar industry, which leads me right into what would you suggest that our legislators at a local to state and federal level do now that could be done so we perhaps don't have this tragedy happen again? Well, since it appears that we're not gonna make any significant changes in the means and methods, uh, at this point in time, what they're doing is better than nothing. So I think the best thing that they could do from the uh, regulatory side is to um, be more aggressive in enforcement. The, the law does state you have to have these inspections. I don't know that I would go so far as to legislating they have to do the repairs, but I think it would be to the best interest of the building officials because they receive these reports yes. because it's uh, statutory. So when I would do a report under these statute, you know, I'd, I'd notify the uh, owner of the board, but I'd also send a copy to the building official. So, you know, they should be following up on this, that, you know, if in a reasonable period of time, say the next 12 months, you don't see a permit application show up for the repairs in this building, they should, uh, you know, send a letter or trot somebody over there and, you know, why aren't you guys doing this? This is important. I, I have said and since that this is inevitable. This is going to happen. One of these buildings is going to fail catastrophically. My, my, my recent comment is the only thing that surprises me is it took this long. And it's a harbinger in my humble opinion, that uh, it's going, unless, you know, at this point, I don't know how, how much you can do to head it off, but you're gonna have, there will be follow-up. Now, taking the current example, okay, the Champaign North, what could you do to that building? Because it was built the same time, the same way. So, you know, presumably it's a ticking time bomb. So it would have to take a serious, you'd have to evacuate the building and undergo a serious engineering study as to what you could do to um, head off the failure. Besides just going in and doing the token repairs, you you, you need to look at uh, how to improve the building in, in several ways. So it's not a small thing. Fred, I want to thank you very much for uh, taking time to be with us here on the program. And uh, question for the future as this continues to uh, unfold and more facts are discovered, may I call upon you for a return visit to the Great American Senior Show at some point in the future? Yeah, sure. I mean, as more information becomes available and, you know, and I have a chance to review that other report in detail and 
hopefully one of these days, you know, if I could get access to the construction documents for the, the building, that would answer a lot of questions too. Since I don't have, have that kind of information, you know, I'm, I'm operating on, you know, my experience with similar types of structures. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad to help. Like I said, anything I could do that may, may help especially save lives. You know, I spent 15 years as a paramedic out in the field. So, you know, my interest is in helping people. Absolutely. Fred Schaefer, the, the Schaefer Group, Inc. Uh, Fred is a, uh, an engineer who knows what he's talking about. And again, I want to thank you very much for taking your time to be here on the program with us, the Great American Senior Show. To everyone, thank you for joining us. I'm Sam Yates with the Great American Senior Show, and that's how our program ends.